You are listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that shaved down its pop filters for better aerodynamics. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me this week is... I'm Garrett. And as some people could probably intuit, the schedule and recording on these may be a little chaotic, given that Matt is currently growing the family. Good luck to Matt, but... We also understand why the anime podcast was the low priority among all the things going on in your life going into the holidays. That's fair. However, we are still here to provide content for you, the listeners. And so today we're talking about Jigen's Gravestone, a Lupin the Third OVA, created with a lot of the same team as the woman called Fujiko Mine, but not exactly the same team. This OVA was headed up by Kazuo Koike, the director of Redline, and takes on a slightly different style, but the more adult writing chops of the series. Content warnings for today's bash include on-camera gun violence aplenty and some gnarly wounds from the aforementioned, sexual menace, uncomfortably detailed eye-touching, and mechanical drill dicks. Those are all true. Um... I, I wouldn't have thought to put the, the detailed eye-touching in there. I didn't think it was that bad, but but fair enough point. I figure around the time when we have the montage of a bunch of different men attaching things to a bare eyeball, it was probably a point to mention. That's probably fair. So our cold open is on an albino figure at a graveyard. He places flowers, parsley, upon a very ornate tombstone marked Jigen Daisuke with 357 Magnum. The year is scratched out, but Jigen is to die on April 1st. I don't believe a single date is given anywhere in this OVA. We just have to assume it's correct. Uh, you know, his math seems funky on a lot of levels. We then cut to a diplomatic motorcade of the Melanda Republic. Two police pull the vehicle over and trank the driver and ambassador, and these are clearly Lupin and Jigen in disguise. Yep, and then uh, the duo now have their way to enter the nation of East. Was it uh, just Dora or... Dorowa. Dorora? Dorowa. Dorowa. I'm never going to get it right throughout this entire thing. Wait until we have just, to discuss two Dorowas. That's true. You should just get the Microsoft Sam voice for every time I try to say it and insert it in there. Please don't do that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> We're entering the the East one, um, <laughs> a surveillance state. The recent assassination of a popular singer, uh, Queen Queen Malta, um, has left the state in upheaval. But but Lupin smells that sweet sweet money. Um, elsewhere in town. Our albino checks into a building. He has all of the required paperwork. Um, we now see him in front, a one-eyed figure named, um, was it Yell Otsuki? Okuzaki. Otsuki. Ozaki. Um, his suitcase uh, seems innocent, and he is allowed inside. Um, elsewhere, the ambassador, quote-unquote, um, arrives to collect the treasure, uh, the Little Comet which is a blue stone that maybe came from a meteor. I believe that was what they said. Mm-hmm. Unknown. It's a large gem that's very shiny. Yeah, it's a large blue rock. Um, apparently, it is being traded between the two nations for um, uranium enrichment equipment. 
Before Lupin can get caught for not knowing the combination to the case, however, Jigen realizes they've been made and bursts into the room, subduing the attaché. Lupin's not sure what's going on, but the two immediately smash the case, grab the stone, and flip out a window as guards rush the room. Their ambassadorial ride is sacrificed to get to the ground level, and the police have the manor surrounded. So, they flee into the nearby woods and begin trying to make their escape in a city on watch for them. Atop the building, Okazaki is assembling a rifle from inside his case. It is a very bizarre custom job. It really is, like... Like, the stock's, like, super, like... I, it just feels like it's missing pieces, which I think relates to some of the stuff later, where it's, like, it's trimmed down for weight purposes. It's that it's skeletal, and his bullets all look like lipstick in a chrome fishnet jacket. Yeah, yeah, he has some fancy, fancy-ass bullets. Um, there's also a part in here shortly after where... um. He rolls what I presume is a metal D6, or just the regular dice for normal people, and it lands on a four. And we come back to this later and what that means. Yeah, I have that explanation in the graveyard scene. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to note that uh, we see it here first. Mm-hmm. As Lupin and Jigen uh, rush towards a car to hijack Okazaki, I'll, I'll get it right once throughout here, uh, Okazaki puts a bullet through Jigen's shoulder and then Lupin's leg as the pair try to get the color. Uh, blood included, because this is an OVA. Um, Look, the Redline guy knows how to show blood. Was there a lot of blood in Redline? I haven't watched Redline in a while. I don't know, I, I think so. That thing was adult in a lot of weird ways, including mechanical dicks. It's been a hot minute since I've watched Redline. I need to maybe rewatch it. <laughs> I definitely recall the robots having some scenes of menace. That's probably fair. The pair are now at a hostel for the night, nursing their wounds, but Jigen uh, recognizes the very strange bullet. It is the one that was used to kill the queen a week ago. Um, Jigen was working security, bodyguard duty at the show, and it went it went south real quick, with her taking a shot to the torso and then the head uh, mid-performance. Um, before Lupin can uh, dig deeper in on this, the police show up outside, um, probably because they parked the stolen vehicle there, um, and Jigen says he has a lead uh, he wants to follow. So this is a thing that I find very funny throughout this whole uh, OVA. They are in a surveillance state known for being, uh, I believe one of the quotes used is, the honor roll of crime prevention, and... They're driving around the same stolen car, which, by the end of this first part, will have had its roof blown completely off the entire time. They leave the country in this. That's true. Yeah, they do have quite the attachment to this car. Ah, well. The pair arrive at a graveyard, and wouldn't you know it, there it is, Jigen's gravestone. Jigen explains that he has heard of Okuzaki before, a man who rolls a die to decide how many shots a hit will take, and he will announce his targets Lupin-style with an ornate gravestone. Jigen, incidentally, was a four-shot kill, and he is at two. Though, you know, I have, I have, I have questions and regarding the ruling of this, because technically he shot Lupin once. Does that really count for Jigen? That seems... 
He says it seems it's, a bit off. it's gonna be four shots, and he does count the second when he puts the bullet through Lupin. I guess. But that's not that was for Lupin though, and not Jigen. He just says it'll take four shots to kill Jigen. That's fair. So the the pair have a bit of a tiff as Lupin expresses concern for his partner and the whole thing goes south and the night comes to a close with Jigen storming off into the night. Elsewhere at Club Rondo, it's Fujiko's turn to arrive. Um, She's preparing to give a performance and the house manager, a weirdo in a full golden mask with piercing blue eyes, um, is explaining only the most dignified patrons arrive at the club, uh, eyes wide shut. Um, her stage attire is what's written here as basically sexy M. Bison. It would which, be an like, erotic M. Bison Halloween costume. Yeah, that's fair. Or like, or like poison if it was leather. Maybe, but poison doesn't usually have thigh high boots and a military cap. That's fair. I, I feel like it is a distinct reference to something because it seemed familiar and it and it wasn't M. Bison in my mind, but I I cannot tell you exactly what it is. I mean, the alternative is Nazi garb because of the cap. Now, I don't want to go there, so it, it wasn't that that I was thinking of either. So let's just go with sexy dictator cosplay. <sighs> Nevertheless, it lasts the whole 30 seconds before it's Horny gone forever. Anywho, um, while she is asked to remain in the green room until showtime, um, she, of course, begins exploring the building on her own. Um, Some safe-cracking leads to a black book, but before she can claim it, the house manager has entered the room, a golden gun pointed at her. Um, She attempts to uh, take him down with the good old blade in a boot, um, but he grabs her by the leg and just, like, holds her upside down by the foot. Um, the men in masks are real tall. Yeah. You don't figure it out until we see the second in command start pummeling Lupin later. That's true. Um, and then, uh, over her protest, um, she gets gut punched real good and is knocked out. In the countryside, Lupin is looking at a small cabin, but suddenly a familiar revolver is to the back of his head. It turns out that Lupin, because he is Lupin, super genius, took the fresh parsley from the grave as a sign that it had to have come from this nearby region where Okazaki was working out of. Only place it could be and still remain so fresh to be placed on the grave. Jigen just, you know, followed. The building is claimed to not be Okazaki's HQ, though, more of a workshop. Identical Prada suits aplenty hang on a rack. Hey, you wear those too, right, Jigen? Sure, but I'll mix in some Givenchian style. There's gun crafting, radios lining a wall, and at one point a bizarre exoskeleton. But then Fujiko's voice comes out of one of those radios. She's playing innocent as the boys come up to a TV that she is naked on in a hitman's basement. I was just hired as a showgirl at this club, trying to go legit. But she winds Lupin up a bit, telling him he shouldn't put himself in danger. Lupin's very mad. You know, I'd get you out of there any day of the week. But the conversation is cut short when Okuzaki returns to his lair. Uh, Lupin moves aside so the two gunmen can have at it. Um, but Onizuki says Jigen uh, no longer is the best in the biz. 
and even tells the revolver-toting runabout that he can make the first move. Um, and Jigen then proceeds to lose a duel, taking bullet number three in a disarming. Um, Lupin uh, rushes the pair out of the room, saying it's definitely not Jigen's night, and Onizuki slowly follows. Um, Jigen's excuse, as Lupin starts uh, their favorite stolen car, is that Onizaki's gun is uh, much lighter and that it's been shaved down even to be an even quicker pull. I believe it's a, it's a twenty two, isn't it? Yes, that... it's a very light pistol, but it's had its barrel freakishly modified to the point of being a weird cube. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like no there's no underbarrel to it at all. It's it's shaved down in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, because he's a, he's a fucking weeb, um, it's it's a single shot, um, gun that he loads the same type of bullets that he loads into his rifle. It it might even possibly just be like the, the rifle minus stock. Yeah, yeah, the rifle minus the rest of it, and then the thieves speed off into the night. At which Onizaki bursts out of the wall of the cabin in a muscle car. Um. The ensuing chase um, wraps up the first half of the OVA in an action-packed scene with a ki- uh, that's occasionally interspersed with Fujiko being menaced in a fish tank at the club for patrons to watch, um, naked, if, if that wasn't referenced. I'm, I'm pretty sure she is probably naked more than clothed in this entire OVA. Yep. The tank uh. is full of oil. And a rubber-suited mechanical gimp is lowered in from above with a full Tetsuo the Iron Man drill penis. Elsewhere, the chase ends with our boys being cornered at a pier, where they're pinned down between shipping containers. I I think we need to back up to this car chase for a second, though, because we did not talk about the part where Onizuki um, has just, like, a minigun mounted in the front of his car. It's true. He blows off... uh, the roof and everything in between all the glass on the thieves car i do like that lupin's response to this is i thought you said he only shot a couple of times (laughs) as hundreds of bullets go through this thing those weren't meant for killing (laughs) the machine gun is purely decorative It was just to give the car a nice job, so now it's topless. It's 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 in its sport mode for the rest of the OVA. <laughs> Speed holes. <laughs> but yes, they they park near a warehouse entrance and are pinned down between shipping containers. Okuzaki has taken a position on a rooftop with his gun, and the boys realize they're going to have to make a shot between open space. And he nails Jigen. Lupin is left to live because there was no contract on him, but headshot to Jigen, he's down on the ground. And a credit sequence plays between the two halves because in the style of old OVAs, this is cut in such a way that you could air this as two television episodes. I presume someone did at some point. Yeah, I mean, also, I, I, I wonder if that's just a holdover from just like the VHS days where you would split it up more more on VHSs and then you have to buy the other one. Yeah, I'm definitely curious if this was sold as two discs in Japan just to milk it extra hard. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, as the credit sequence plays, it is set to Revolver Fires by Gary Stockdale. I'll splice in a little right here. It's a, it's a very 
campy, butt-rocky song to go with this. Dressed in black, with slanted hat No one knows what you see Oh no, no, eyes loose with shaggy beard And chicks and scars relieve your pain I'm pretty into it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it, it goes on a little long, but you know what? It's perfectly fine. That's fair. It's very... It, it, I want to say like it's very like James, James Bond-esque, kind of, in that kind of vein. That's definitely what they're going for. But then we come back uh, with part two, where um, we resume on Fujiko's unresolved drama. The house manager... Um, reveals in his control um, of the scene from backstage that the bizarre uh, automaton is another one of um, I blanked on his name Ozaki. Ozaki's uh, creations because because he's good at robots and also guns um, and thus begins um, a series of sequences in which we knock the dominoes um, that uh, part one set up. Um, Lupin arrives, boasting that, yes, he is indeed here to free Fujiko. And the silver mask guards um, begin trying to start stop this. Um, they fall. Um, Lupin's gunfire shatters the fish tank somewhere in the middle. And Fujiko escapes when no one is watching. Um, the rescue goes awry as the tallest of the guards begins pummeling Lupin in the parking lot, uh, though it did start in the weird the weird fetish rich people eat dinner room. <laughs> what else do you call it? The, sh- the main stage. No, my mine's better. All it's right. more descriptive. Well, the rich um, people all left when Lupin said, hi, please go. That's true. I, yeah, they already they already got what they came for. The fetish was basically done at that point. Well, you didn't get to see the headshot. But um, <laughs> what, what with that? Is it really a shot when it's a chainsaw? I mean, they they are clearly just there to see snuff. That's fair. That's what you do in nondescript. Two countries named in directions. Eyes wide shutsville, yes. That's true. I, I haven't seen that. I don't have that cultural nomenclature. Uh, there's a very bizarre I'm... masked sex party. Yeah, of course there is. Um, anywho, um, so the pumbling starts there, ends up in a parking lot, and just in time for the now uh, cat-suited Fujiko to hit him... Uh, with her bike, which then Lupin snags onto to ride on. He immediately starts groping Fujiko, which we will later learn is so he could pick her pockets or breasts, I suppose, for the black notebook. It's still yikes. And we learn as they stop at the graveyard that this is the Calamity File, 
A covert ops evidence dossier of assassination targets East Dorowa had been carrying out through the Cold War. Lupin flips through and finds what he suspected. A dual-page spread of Queen Malta and Daisuke Jigen, marked complete. The stage is now set for our finale. Lupin is going to hold on to the Calamity file to lure out Okazaki and get his revenge. And the house manager at the club, currently pitched as the mastermind behind all of this, calls Yale and issues the hit on both Lupin and Fujiko, the man first. So, two gravestones appear near Jigen's. The first is for Lupin to die on the 5th of April, and the second for Fujiko on the 6th. Hers has extra Englishy fun, for all men's fam fatale. <laughs> uh, the next day, Lupin sets up a very public presence at a cafe, ordering a single coffee, um, like an asshole, apparently. How, how is this like an asshole? Don't, don't people order a single coffee for themselves at a cafe in a foreign country? I suppose I'm of two minds. He does tip later, but generally I think if you're the kind of person who's going to order nothing but a coffee and sit at a very open Vista table side, you might be a bit of a dick if you don't, like, get an appetizer or something with it. Maybe, but aren't there aren't there places that are just, like, coffee shops and that's just what you do? This is prime real estate. The man is not making them any money. I guess that's fair. He left two coins. He did leave two coins. Um, anywho, um, Onizaki begins uh, preparing his rifle on a nearby rooftop. Um, as the waiter brings the coffee, he comments on Lupin's wounds, uh, as previously he was beat up a bunch previously. <laughs> um, the thief has an eye patch and a hearing aid, um, as well as bandages on his face. Um, Onizaki's dies, uh, die tells him that Lupin will die in one shot and comments on the thief's poor luck. Um, he takes aim uh, just for the wind with one of his fancy gadgets and fires um, with the shot going wide behind a unconcerned Lupin. Um, the hitman looks down and realizes his aim was off because he's been shot. We then zoom out and on an entirely different clock tower, a wounded Jigen is sitting with a much larger rifle leaning on his knee. So, a second shot takes out Okazaki's left knee. The hitman's complaints are clearly being picked up by Jigen, who comments back from a little speaker on the rooftop. We learn how Okazaki is such an effective hitman. He is not blind in one eye, he's feeding camera data from the city surveillance system into his optic nerve. This is how he got perfect shots the instant people came out of his blind spot. Similarly, this is how Jigen survived. They fed him false data off of the only camera that covered their crevasse, and used a squib on Jigen so he didn't spot the shot going wide. One question is left open, however. Who's the person who was hiring Okazaki, since the house manager was clearly a go-between? East Dorowa has just used their own singer, Queen Malta, as a patsy to start talks of war and look heroic in reuniting both nations, but who pulled the strings? However, with the exposition done, all three men gather on the rooftop for a resumed showdown, and as we mentioned, Lupin makes sure to tip as he leaves the cafe. Uh, the gunmen um, wait for the wind to die down um, so they can trust their shots. Uh, also, Lupin just tells them that's the point where they where they should draw. Um, the moment arrives, and they both fire. 
Jigen takes a graze across his cheek and Onizaki smiles until he feels his blood dripping. Um, Jigen's magnum has torn his left arm, a new one, and it's pretty grisly to boot. We do get a shot where we see, like, the inside of his arm, uh, bones broken. Muscle and bone. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty savage. Jigen is satisfying, um, not caring if the hitman lives or dies now, um, stating that uh, the part of him that's a gunman is dead now. Um, as the duo leave the city, Fujiko catches up on her bike, a bit myth that they were going to leave her behind. Um, she does cheerily tell Jigen that um, she was a little bit sad when she thought uh, he was dead. Honest. Um, but she proceeds to pull out a black notebook and Lupin wonders how she even got that from him. Um, she takes her bike and speeds off, uh, on the conveniently placed exit to a different highway. Um, Jigen tells Lupin that, uh, it's for the best. Um, what he was, what were they going to do with, um, the notebook anyway? And then the master thief pulls out a notebook of his, out of his own coat. And Jean responds, ah, crap. Now we'll never get away from her. Elsewhere, she has pulled over and realized that the notebook is a dupe, which just contains hastily scribbled photos of their cast, up to and including Goemon. But she consoles herself with also having stolen the little comet from Lupin's things. Again, unsure when she got this, but you know what? She can cheat just as hard as him. That's true. Having leaked the details of the file to the media, the two men burn it to light their cigarettes. It tastes so much sweeter, they agree. And we zoom out from this to camera feed of the men on the highway. The media is discussing the events with East Dorowa and Melanda's schemes coming to light as the world prepares military intervention in East Dorowa over the assassination and war on false pretenses. Our final shot is a tiny man behind a myriad of cameras that all shut off, save the one viewing Lupin and Jigen. Ah, they've had a taste of the forbidden fruit, it seems. And then the view winks out. There is one post credit stinger of four men standing in the rain at the graveyard. They are all looking over the graves of Lupin, Jigen, and Fujiko, which clearly nobody cleaned up. What do you think it means, Chief? And Zenigata's reply is, I think it means we're about to get a lot busier. So, what did you think of Jigen's gravestone? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, I feel like the first thing that uh, I noticed was just, uh, this is more done in a more like traditional animation style than the Fujiko TV series proper, which makes sense. Um, but it's still very good. It is very kind of what I expect to kind of see when I hear Lupin. It kind of falls into that style and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty... I liked it. Um, the the Fujiko bit is a bit much. But, like, seeing that, I'm like, ah, this is where the show's influence was put. <laughs> but it's very brief. Like, under five minutes total in the whole runtime. I suppose, but every time it comes up, it's just like, yikes, every time. I can't deny that. It is a very yikes scene when you have a mechanical, 
pulping device. Like, I don't know. I, I think I'd feel better about it if, like, if it was just Fuji- Fujiko being good at her thieving, but it's just her getting captured and then in this weird, you know, situation. She gets her own OVA later. She'll she'll get a chance to That's shine. Fair. I will be curious to see what that looks like. She's with a small child. That's not instilling confidence. <laughs> it's uh it's an interesting one. I think it's playing with the fact that it's still going harder adult. It's still not family friendly Lupin. But it's also giving you an intrigue plot that runs through these OVAs, and they set it up early. This is kind of like a mini-season. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so like the after-credits thing, that's going to follow through these three then, I assume? Yes, we're going to pick up on a little more of that in the next of these OVAs, Goemon's Blood Spray. So, with that... Are there any things you want to plug, Garrett? Um, yeah, sure. I'll plug a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about uh, Common Rider with uh, two of my uh, co-hosts who I brought into watching it as a whole at uh, journeythroughthedeckcast.com, uh, where we are exceedingly slowly working our way uh, through Blade. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a good time. It's about Karate Bugman, and, and they punch stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. And you can also find me on other shows on this network, including JRPG Games Club podcast Lightning Strikes Thrice. There is a paid version of this show that is on our Patreon behind pitchdrop.cash. Go ahead and take a look. As little as a dollar a month can get you bonus episodes of various shows on the network that have Matt, myself, former co-host Chris, other people And there is a premium version of this show for $5 or more, where Chris, Matt, and friend John all cover, at current, Death Note. They're in the middle of the second season, and everything is falling apart around them. Sort of like Lupin's car. (laughs) So, we will return in two weeks, possibly with a full crew of three, possibly with just the two of us, for the next of these OVAs, Goemon's Blood Spray. And I hope you have a lovely holiday season. Goodbye. Also, have a good holiday season from me. And also, goodbye.